Hi, I'm Lisa J. Pieretti, and welcome to the No Sweat Podcast, where we share uncensored, unscripted conversations about hyperhidrosis, which is excessive sweating. No Sweat Podcasts are brought to you by the International Hyperhidrosis Society, and this episode is made possible thanks to the generous educational grant from Dermira. With hyperhidrosis affecting nearly 5% of the population, we know that there are a lot of people out there who can relate to what we're about to hear. But we also know that the medical condition of extreme, uncontrollable sweating remains misunderstood, underdiagnosed, undertreated, and generally underserved. So we'd love it if you'd share this program with your tribe far and wide. Let's discuss hyperhidrosis in depth and get this condition out in the open. Do you like what you're hearing? Find out more about the International Hyperhidrosis Society and about hyperhidrosis at sweathelp.org. We're the only global nonprofit focused entirely on excessive sweating and all the things that swirl around it, like mental health concerns, economic challenges, functional impairment, limited access to treatments, misunderstanding in the medical field, and so much more. We're sure some of these issues will come up today. First, a little background on who we are where we've come from, and what we're trying to achieve. Founded in 2003 and led by a voluntary board of directors that includes dermatologists who are leaders in hyperhidrosis research and treatment. Our mission is to help improve the lives of those suffering from excessive sweating by providing reliable, scientifically and medically sound information about the condition itself, its diagnosis, and its treatments, while also supporting hyperhidrosis sufferers, their loved ones, and medical providers in a holistic way. Find out more about us at sweathelp.org. With me today are Dr. Pariser and Dr. Glazer. Dr. Deanna Glazer is president and founding member of the International Hyperhidrosis Society, as well as professor and chairman with the Department of Dermatology at St. Louis University School of Medicine. Dr. David Pariser is secretary and founding member of the International Hyperhidrosis Society, a former president of the American Academy of Dermatology and professor with the Department of Dermatology at Eastern Virginia Medical School. We're going to start out today with talking about the basic definition of hyperhidrosis. So what is hyperhidrosis, Dr. Glazer? Well, hyperhidrosis is excessive, extreme, or uncontrollable sweating. And you know, nearly everyone sweats. And actually, if you don't sweat at all, that's another medical condition in itself. But that's probably a topic for a whole nother podcast episode. But if you sweat so much that it's negatively impacting your daily life, maybe your self-esteem or social or professional life is being affected, or you need to develop complicated, time-consuming routines and strategies to manage your sweating, you may have hyperhidrosis. The American Academy of Dermatology defines hyperhidrosis as excessive sweating beyond what's necessary for your body to maintain its body temperature. So if we expand on that, hyperhidrosis is a disorder really of uncontrollable, usually extreme, episodic, unexpected sweating that's beyond what's normal or necessary to regulate the temperature or as a reaction to stress. So now's a good time to mention that there are two types of hyperhidrosis, primary and secondary. 
Dr. Pariser, could you explain a little bit about that so our listeners can understand the difference? Sure. Primary hyperhidrosis is its own distinct medical condition, and it's sweating that's not caused by another medical problem. Secondary hyperhidrosis, on the other hand, is usually a side effect or symptom of, a, of another medical condition or sweating due to a side effect of medication. So if your sweating is new or you've never had it checked out, you really need a full medical workup to be sure that your sweating is not due to another condition uh, or due to a medication that you're taking. Of course, never stop any of your medicines that you're taking without consulting your doctor first. But before moving on with hyperhidrosis treatments, you want to be sure that your treatment won't be masking another important symptom of a condition that requires treatment itself. For your good health, don't skip this step. This is actually so important that we'll do a podcast on primary versus secondary hyperhidrosis later. But for now, in this episode, we're talking about primary hyperhidrosis. That's the hyperhidrosis condition itself. Dr. Glazer, let's do a deep dive into primary hyperhidrosis and tell our listeners what it's all about. Well, this type of hyperhidrosis um, usually occurs in focal areas, certain locations in the body. And the most common body sites are the underarms or axilla, hands, feet, um, face, scalp, and actually any combination of these areas. But increasingly, what we're finding is that focal hyperhidrosis can happen in many different places. I've had patients who complain of excessive sweating under their breast, in the groin, um, in the buttocks area, on their back, the back of their legs, behind their knees, and again, any kind of combination of these. Some research of ours in 2016 found that 81% of axillary or underarm hyperhidrosis sufferers indicated that they actually sweat excessively from three or more additional focal areas. And this was published recently in the Journal of Dermatologic Surgery. So, Dr. Glazer, how much sweat are we talking about here? Well, according to data that's been published in the Archives of Dermatology, individuals with hyperhidrosis may sweat four or five times what would be considered average, and I've actually seen patients who sweat um, many, many, many more times uh, than this. And so to try to put this amount into perspective, you know, sometimes we'll have patients sitting in our exam rooms and literally the sweat is dripping from their feet onto the floor, from their hands, making a puddle. You'll see sweat dripping down the chest wall from their underarms such that their pants are wet from their underarm sweating. Um, it's really remarkable when you see someone in the middle of one of these episodes and just how much sweat they can produce. Dr. Paris, you, do you want to chime in? You have a story, I'm sure. So we hear many, many stories from our patients about hyperhidrosis. I could relate about the, the woman whose hands were so sweaty that she dropped her baby on the floor, a policeman whose hand was so sweaty that he couldn't fire his weapon. Um, I had another patient who had a chance to... Um, meet the Vice President of the United States, and uh, after he shake, shake hands, the Vice President took his own hand and wiped it on his pants leg to try to uh, uh, remove the sweat from it. Another woman who had sweaty hands who uh, would always go to a party holding an icy drink in her hand so that it would uh, her hand would be expected to be wet when she would shake someone's hands. Just, the stories go on and on.
Based on data published in 2016 in the archives of dermatologic research, there are approximately 15.3 million individuals living with hyperhidrosis in the U.S. alone. That's 365 million people worldwide at 4.8% of the population. This same research article also found that 8.8% of people in the U.S. between the ages of 18 and 39 experience hyperhidrosis. That's a lot of people in the so-called prime of their lives being potentially held back by having to deal with embarrassing and debilitating sweating. The 4.8 statistic makes hyperhidrosis more common than autism, melanoma, psoriasis, and peanut allergies, but we'd argue it's much less talked about. Dr. Pariser, tell me more about people talking about hyperhidrosis or not talking about hyperhidrosis. Well, while we know that hyperhidrosis is common, it's really not talked about very much, certainly not in social circumstances. It's um, also not thought to be as severe as it really is. Studies have shown that hyperhidrosis' impact on the quality of life is equal or greater to that of other serious skin diseases that we treat, such as psoriasis, severe acne, and some other rare conditions. So let's talk about genetics with hyperhidrosis and changes over time and the age of onset. So hyperhidrosis likely has a genetic link, with two-thirds of hyperhidrosis sufferers saying that another one and their family members also has hyperhidrosis. And that's from the Journal of Vascular Surgery. Dr. Glazer, tell me more about what you see in your clinic. Well, what I have found is that hyperhidrosis does not appear to get better over time. Um, It really is a chronic condition that often starts in childhood or during the early teenage young adulthood um, years. Our um, IHHS research uh, has been published in the Journal of Dermatologic Surgery, and we found that indeed the severity of hyperhidrosis did not lessen with age. I I do think that some of my patients um, find it more manageable at different stages of their lives. You know, you talked about the prime of their lives, these younger individuals who are experiencing sweating. Um, But there are times where they can deal with it a little bit better, but it's still always there. Again, this is a problem that starts in childhood, adolescence most commonly. And so it's really has a big impact potentially on their success in school, their emotional well-being during key developmental stages, you know, trying to meet others, trying to establish a career. We've seen people who really have made different career choices because of how severe their sweating is. So this is a big problem. Reported psychosocial ramifications of hyperhidrosis include decreased self-confidence, depression, and anxiety. A 2016 study of more than 2,000 patients found that the prevalence of anxiety and depression was significantly higher in those with hyperhidrosis than those without. Meanwhile, the condition remains underdiagnosed and undertreated. Most sufferers, due to lack of condition awareness, embarrassment, and believe that there are no treatments, Given that belief and other reasons, they delay discussing hyperhidrosis with a healthcare professional for years. In other research, 27% were never diagnosed. We will do later podcasts on the treatments available and on diagnosis, getting help, and all the things that swirl around that. But for now, 
let's get back to why treatment and diagnosis is important for this condition in the first place. You know, we mentioned depression and anxiety, but there's really more to it than that. Um, Day-to-day challenges that can affect a person's activities of just daily living. Um, Challenges can be, you know, that they need to change clothes frequently. Embarrassment, um, that sense of embarrassment from the sweat stains and avoiding otherwise sort of desirable careers that I had talked about, and especially those that require frequent public speaking and frequent interaction with others, you know, such as shaking hands. Hyperhidrosis sufferers have been known to damage their paperwork um, due to the sweating. They've ruined uh, computer keyboards. They have difficulty gripping tools. They have trouble playing musical instruments, um, using electronic devices. They have trouble um, participating in sport activities like baseball, golf, anything that might require a good grip. And indeed, 80% of hyperhidrosis sufferers say that they are dissatisfied with their abilities at work. And it's not just work, actually, though. It's, it's really every domain of their life. 42% say that it actually prevents them from following a particular career path. And at least about a third say that they've become frustrated with their daily activities. And also, safety can be an important issue with hyperhidrosis. Patients can uh, drop objects. Uh, I mentioned the lady who dropped her baby. Uh, we've, I've seen patients who have shorted out their computer keyboards with excessive sweating. Uh, and uh, the slip and fall, slips and falls can occur due to excessively sweaty feet, particularly if wearing flip-flops or some kind of foot covering that's a smooth and can easily slip. General health consequences exist as well. Research shows that hyperhidrosis sufferers have a 300% greater risk of skin infections. 60% of hyperhidrosis sufferers report a negative impact on their general health. 40% report physical discomfort and 5% indicate that they have taken antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications specifically due to their sweating. Hyperhidrosis can also be socially debilitating. 75% of those with excessive sweating say that the condition had negative impacts on their social life, on their sense of well-being, and their emotional and mental health. And 35% say that they sacrifice many important things in their life because of the excessive sweating. Most hyperhidrosis sufferers say that they avoid public view, handshakes, and other form of touching. I've had patients who won't hold hands in church uh, because of this. You know, it's interesting, too, David, because there's a lot of economic burdens that are not um, discussed frequently. Uh, and these, can, these economic burdens uh, can be an issue for um, patients with hyperhidrosis. Um, it can stain and destroy their clothing and their shoes requiring these items to be frequently replaced at their own personal cost. Uh, Patients have noted that they spend thousands of dollars trying to dry clean um, items. They have to purchase new items to replace damaged ones. Um, And you and I both have had patients who tell us that they've had to buy three or four of the same color shirts, the exact same, so that they can change them throughout the day so no one else will know that they've um, sweated or pitted through their, uh, their apparel. And this is even before we discuss the economic burden of treatment and out-of-pocket costs that are related to treatment. We 
We've covered a lot of serious issues related to hyperhidrosis. Extreme sweating has a lot of consequences, practical ones, physical ones, social and emotional and professional ones, along with really clinical health focused ones like infections and accidents. But here's the crazy thing. This is all good news. We are talking about it openly and loudly. The more people that recognize this condition, that name it, that talk about it, that see it and, yep, complain about it, the more we get it out of hiding and into the public sphere so we can deal with it and demand better treatments, better access to treatments, more empathetic professional care, and more acceptance. Thank you, Dr. Pariser and Dr. Glazer for sharing your hyperhidrosis expertise today. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. Conversations like these help us all to better understand hyperhidrosis and its impacts and to move the needle forward when it comes to diagnosis, treatment, and holistic care. What's your hyperhidrosis experience? We hope you can share something about hyperhidrosis with someone in your life today. Keep it simple. Share this program or like it or rate it on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Help more people find us and find out more about the information and support available for those living with excessive sweating at sweathelp.org, the website of the International Hyperhidrosis Society. Want to be a podcast sponsor? We're looking for donors so we can produce more episodes. Fry syndrome, sweat myths, night sweating hyperhidrosis heredity, and important conversations with the International Hyperhidrosis Society's founders are all on the horizon with your help. Contact us at sweathelp.org to learn more and lean in. Thank you. The International Hyperhidrosis Society is the only registered charity focused entirely on hyperhidrosis. Visit sweathelp.org donate to continue supporting programs that teach, empower, and serve. Our No Sweat podcasts are championed by Lisa J. Peretti and recorded live at Full Service Radio in Washington, D.C. We are so grateful for Jack Inslee's artistic production, Angela Ballard's editorial guidance, Marilyn Perez's project management, Christine Fleckenstein's attention to every detail, and Albert Ganz's design and illustration. Thank you to our guests and listeners who joined the conversation.